0: Hey, good morning, Victory, how you doing? Come on, let me hear ya. Good morning. Good morning, so excited to be with you. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church, and if you're visiting with us today, we just want to say welcome. Thank you for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. We hope that you have a great time and enjoy yourself. Uh, just a couple of announcements before we get into the Word today. First, if you are looking for a way to connect, maybe it is your first Sunday, maybe you've been coming for a little bit and just haven't taken that step, you can do that a couple ways. Uh, first, you can text to connect if you want to stay digital, and so what you do is you send uh, the words Victory 18 to the number three. 31996 and that's going to shoot you a digital connection card if you'll fill that out for us if not when you were coming in the door, you were given a paper connection card, if you'll fill that out for us. And what that's going to do, that's going to give me the opportunity to reach out to you this week and just say, hey, thank you so much for coming. Can we answer any questions for you? And then do our best to get you uh, connected in the areas of ministry and the areas of this church that you're interested in. Also, if you are here in person, if you, when you walk out of service today, there's a welcome center, and you can take either the digital uh, card that you filled out or the paper card that you filled out to that table. And we just have a couple of gifts we want to give you. We just want to say thank you again so much. We Understand that there's so many different places you could be on a Sunday morning, and for you to uh, come and spend some time with us, we just we appreciate that, so we want to say thank you, and we hope that you're able to leave here uh, really encouraged today. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, we do that in three different ways. Um, we do that through text to give, similar to the text to connect. That information will come up on the screen. We do it through our online portal, which is our website, our app, different ways like that, and then as you're walking out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket if you want to give through cash or check, something like that. Um, we have so many people every month that give faithfully to this church, and, and because they give faithfully, we're able to do so much. If, if you come here for any amount of time, you're going to hear us talk about all the outreach partners that we have, all the way from Isaiah 117, Empowerment Incorporated, the YMCA, Scott Horde Ministries. I mean, we just have so many different areas, Men of Valor, that we just partner with to do stuff outside of the church. But I've been having the privilege the past couple of weeks to uh, rejoice in the fact that because we have so many faithful givers, we were able the Friday after Thanksgiving to sign a contract on a permanent location. Come on and give God praise for that. We are so excited about that. Uh, In case you've, you've only been coming recently or maybe this is your first Sunday, March 20th. So not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that is going to be our first Sunday In that location and so it's 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 not our permanent home it's the next chapter as we like to say it's the next thing we're moving to Uh, our first chapter was here and next Sunday it's gonna be our last Sunday here so we're gonna have kind of a family style service I'm gonna spend some time sharing with you the story Uh, we're gonna look at a particular promise in the scripture that I think is really important for us as we move into this next season but it's so cool to watch the chapters that God's taking us into and I cannot wait to see what comes out Of this next chapter one of the things just so you know that we're looking forward to is our goal and we think it's gonna happen is that by Easter we're gonna have to go to two services and so with that being said if you're asking right now hey what, what 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 are we doing what what's my involvement I'm gonna tell you right now and I'm gonna tell you from now until Easter Sunday you need to get on the team we, we need you to be a part of what God's doing in this church. If, if you're already serving, praise God, because of you, we're able to do that. If you're not serving yet, listen, we need you to do that. And there's so many areas, from worship team to production to first impressions to our kids' ministry. We have such great vision. Pract- we'll be able to actually have worship practice now. Can y'all believe that? Can you believe they sound that good without practice? And so that just gives you an idea. And so maybe you're like, hey, I just don't really know, you know, what my position, I don't really know what my giftings are. I love what my wife says. She says, go where the need is. And so I would just tell you right now from our kids ministry, uh, production ministry, we have to do multiple services is the goal uh, moving in because we just believe God's going to bring so many lost people. Um, our series, when we start the opening that church, is going to be called Welcome Home. And the reason for that is I believe God's sending us there so that prodigals can come home and experience Jesus. And that's what we're here for. And I'm going to talk a lot about that next week. If you can, be here as we get together, we pray together about what God's wanting to do through us in this next season. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. All right. You ready for the word? Yes. Then I'm ready to preach it. All right. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Whether you're on your phone or whether you've got your paper Bible, turn there. We are in a series called Promises. And we're breaking down different promises that God made us in scripture, and then we're giving more revelation to it. And a lot of these promises you've heard, some of them we kind of, you've either had them stitched on your grandma's pillow when you were growing up, or you've heard it in passing, but you never really dug deep into it so that you could actually stand on it. And that's the the whole concept to the promises that God makes you, is once you understand that they're a promise from God, you won't allow yourself to talk you out of it. And I think that's our problem. And that's really what this promise is focused around today. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of crazy stuff happening up here for me. And one of my biggest temptations is I will talk myself out of the things I know God wants for me. And there's a promise that I'm going to show you today that I prayed all the way through 2020, all the way through 2021. And you've heard me share that many things, but that building is one of the things God did in my life to show me that the promise I'm about to read to you is accurate and we can stand on it. And I want you to understand it's for you too. And I'm going to show you that today. So Matthew chapter 7, we'll start reading to verse 7. The promise will be in verse 11. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Now that's a whole nother promise. It's not the promise we're talking about. But I want you to see real quickly, I won't go into this message, but that as you pursue God, as you want, as you get out of your comfort zone, you find Okay, we won't go there today. It says, for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, here's our promise, which of you, if your son or your daughter, let's imagine those of you that are parents, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? The answer to that is obviously no. No. It goes on to say, if then, if you're evil, there's evil in you, and you wouldn't do that, then how, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, let me kind of give our version of that. Those of you that are in here and your parents, if your child was to ask for bread, you would not give him a snake or her a snake. That's what it starts to open up. In other words, if your child asked you for something good, you would not purposely give them something bad. You would not withhold good for them, from them, and then give them something bad. And here's what he goes on to say, and there's evil in you. In other words, we have sin in us. We're we're sinners saved by grace. As long as we're on this planet, there is sin in us. And he says, there's evil in you, and you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that to your child and there's evil in you. So then how much more would God, who has no evil in him, would he not do that? He would give good gifts. He gives, here's the promise. God gives good gifts to his children. Now here's my problem. I continue to go in my head with this question that I continue to be afraid of when you start telling me that God's going to do or give or have good gifts for me. And I made the question the title of my message. And here's the question. What if I blow it? You tell me God's going to give me good gifts. You tell me that God's going to give me good plans and good things. The question I can't keep returning to is what if I blow it? Have you ever had something good happening to you? Right, like you're in this kind of season where things are going good, and now your concern is, what if I mess it up? Right, like you're you're finally in a good relationship, things are going good, and not as crazy as the last person was, and things are kind of happening well, and now your concern is, man, what what if I blow it? What if I mess it up? You find yourself at a good job, the boss is good, the pay is good, it's stable, and in the back of your mind, your question is, what if I blow it? What if I do something to mess it up? Maybe you're in a good diet routine, right? You're finally starting to get your high school body back or whatever it is. You've kind of got some stuff. Maybe not your high school body. Uh, maybe your post-college body, whatever it might be. Um, but but you're, you're just, your concern becomes, well, what if I blow it? Finally in a good place financially. And the question is, what if, what if I blow it? You start kind of living for God and, you know, doing the right thing. And your question becomes, man, what if I, what if I blow it? I'll be really transparent with you. When God gave us this building and we started moving forward, my first question was, what if I blow it? Every time I think about the fact that God has good gifts for us as a church, for my family, the question I return to is, man, what if I blow it? Because my problem has never been wondering if God is good. The problem is I know that I'm not. And there's always, for me, a hinge when I read Matthew 7 that the Father has good gifts for me. I can't help but think that I'm going to do something that's going to stop me from receiving those good gifts. But according to Matthew chapter 7, we're promised that God gives good gifts to his children. Another word for that concept, another word for that promise is favor, that God gives us favor. Favor. Now, I think that we are so concerned about us messing it up that we have, we have uh, demoralized the idea of favor. We have minimized the idea of favor where now it's a parking space, right? You pull into Publix and there's a parking space, Kroger or Aldi's or wherever it is you shop. You pull into the grocery store and there's a parking space and you're like, ooh, look at that, favor, because we have a parking space. And I'll be honest with you, I do it too, but I think we've minimized it because we're so concerned that we're gonna mess up God's favor that we minimize it to a parking space. Unfortunately, so many of us have been taught that God is sort of waiting around to see how we act to then decide if he should approve or disapprove of us, to decide if he should give us his favor. We've been conditioned to believe, watch this, that favor follows behavior. That however we behave dictates God's favor in our life. It's kind of like this. We think that like if we have patience with our kids, when they're crying and throwing a fit, if we have patience with them and not kick them across the room, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe it's just me. If we have patience with our kids, if, if we don't go off on people in traffic, um, if, if we read our Bible, if we memorize our scriptures, if we do all the good things, if we follow the rules, then it's almost like in our head that God reaches down and turns on this faucet of favor, and it just pours over us. And in the same way, we think, watch this, that if we lose our patience with our kids, if we say biblical words to people on the interstate, on I-24 as we're going to work. If we forget our memory verse or we we don't remember to read the Bible that day, that in the same way God kind of reaches down and turns the faucet of favor off. That's the way our minds have been trained. That while we behave right, God opens up the floodgates of favor. But the moment we behave wrong, God shuts it down. And so we walk around not operating and living in the favor of God because we're wondering, well, did I... That I blow it? Most people struggle with the idea that God is for them. They struggle with it. They assume that God is always, I love this, reacting to their behavior on whether he should approve or disapprove. Can I tell you something? God's favor is not a reaction. It's an already promised action. The moment we think God's favor is a reaction, we think it's dictated by how we react how we, how we behave, when we understand that it's an already promised action, it's not about our behavior. But listen to me when being blessed is based on being good, when being blessed is based on how we behave, we will walk around more in fear than we will favor. And God's children were never supposed to be walking around in fear, they were supposed to be walking around in favor. And so I want to, just for a moment this morning, I want to attack this premise, and I want to help you stand on this promise. And here's the promise. You are already approved. You're already approved. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is one of the verses I love to read in the mornings during my prayer time because I'll show you as I lay it out. You'll see why. But this is um, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in in, uh, Ephesus. And watch what he says. For we are God's masterpiece. He's talking about you. Look at the person beside you. Look at them. All right, look at them real good. All right, if they're single, get their number. It's okay. But you need to understand right now that that person you're looking at is God's masterpiece. That's, this is what Paul says. We are God's masterpiece. Listen to me. It's really important that you think about you the way that God thinks about you. It's really important that you understand that you are God's masterpiece. Now listen, before you get prideful, Paul goes on to say, because we are made anew in Christ Jesus. So it's not because you're good, it's because of what Christ did. So because of what Christ did, we are God's masterpiece. But watch this, here's the part that always gets me. So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So that you and I can experience the good things that God planned for us long ago. What that means, y'all, is that when God decided to plan good things for you, it was long ago, so it cannot be based on how you're performing right now. God pre-planned to bless you. Think about it like this. Favor is like salvation. It's undeserved. And and it's something to be received, not something to be bartered for. And so if you were going to stitch something on your heart, here's what you would write. God's favor is not performance-based, it's promise-based. The favor of God, it's not based on your performance, it's based on his promise. And when he makes that promise, that promise is not going to be dictated or or go up and down based off your performance. It's a promise he made. It's not a reaction, it's an action, right? It's not a feeling, it's a statement. It's a promise. God said that he will pour his favor out on you long ago. But because we live in an approval based society, it's really, it's almost impossible, honestly not to have a moment in our life where we seek out God's approval. I was thinking about this. We've been seeking approval for a very long time. You know when the first time we ever sought out approval was? The playground. When you were in like kindergarten and first grade and you went out into the playground and they released like 30 kids into the playground. Y'all all remember this. You went out into the playground and immediately you had two questions. Number one, where's my crew? Like, what circle am I going to hang out with? Who are the people? Because everybody starts kind of pairing up, you know what I mean? And you're trying to figure out, which circle am I? Where am I gonna, who's going to approve me into their little crew? And then the real test of approval came, and they started playing games, right? And it was like tag and kickball and all these things. And you were like, are they going to pick me? And then every year of our life through school, it was the same two tests reiterated. Every year, am I gonna get picked by the same people? Am I gonna be picked for the team? Am I gonna be approved? It's the same way in first grade, and second grade, and third grade. We went and watched my daughter in a play called Junie B. Jones, y'all ever heard Junie B. Jones? She's a first grader in the play. It's exactly what she was dealing with in the play, being approved by certain people in her class. It's what we do. And just when we think we're past that, now we have to apply for college. And we're wondering if they will approve. Or we have to apply for a job and we're wondering if they will approve. Or we're starting to date and we're wondering if they will approve. Young ladies, you start dating at 37 years old, okay? If your mom and dad tells you different, pastor's word matters. Or 37 is the years. But we're constantly, and then watch this as we get older, we don't stop seeking approval, it just gets more expensive, right? Like like no longer are we buying new shoes for approval, we're buying a new car. It just gets more expensive. And then I was thinking about this. We obviously got to a point where we thought, we don't seek approval enough, so let's create social media and we can seek approval 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? We can be in our bed with one of them face masks on and we can be wondering who approves of the meal that we had for dinner. Like we're just trying to figure out ways to seek approval. It's been ingrained in us since we were small. It's almost reaction. We almost don't even know we're doing it. And so when we live in an approval-based society, it's natural that we'd fall into this rut to kind of try to seek God's approval. But here's the problem with seeking approval. If you are seeking approval, it means that we are operating in the premise that we don't already have it. If we are seeking approval, it means that we think in our mind and in our heart that we aren't already approved. And what scripture is trying to show us is that we are already approved. But when we think it's performance based, We think it's up and down, which means we think that he might approve of us today, but he might not approve of us tomorrow. He might approve of us this morning, but he wouldn't have approved of us last week. And here was the statement that I feel like uh, it it encompasses the entire gospel, that even when God doesn't approve of what you've done, he approves of you. We're going to do a way better job of praising God than that. You know what I mean? When he doesn't, listen, he's not going to always approve of what you do. He's a just God. He's a holy God, and that's sin. It's wrong. He doesn't approve of that. But when he doesn't approve of what you've done, it doesn't mean he doesn't approve of you. He still loves you. You're still the apple of his eye. This weekend, because of Veda having her play, both sets of grandparents are in town. So my mom and my sister came in town, and Darla's mom and father came in town. So you got Nana's in town, and you got mom, and Poppy are in town, which means the grandparents have arrived, okay? My kids, 12 and 7, when the grandparents arrive, they show up with stuff. We got any grandparents in here by any chance? We got any grandparents in here? All right, y'all know y'all do this. You show up to the house with stuff, you know what I mean? Like, you're not even here yet, and it's like, hey, I was on the way, and I saw a toy for Casey Ray in the store, the gas station. It was only $150. I figured she needed it. She doesn't need it. You know what I mean? She doesn't need anything. Doesn't need anything. She's going to throw half her stuff away, and they're showing up. My, my, either my mom or her parents, they'll show up with food. They'll show up with candy they'll show up with toys, they will show up with like night lights and just like, it's like they're just at home wondering what does the children need? You know what I mean, like they're constantly thinking. And then after they show up with all that, then they decide that while they're here, they're gonna do everything that those two little snotty-nosed kids wanna do. (laughs) They're taking them to their favorite restaurants, they're taking them to get ice cream, they're taking them to shop for clothes, and the whole time I'm thinking like, I'm your child? You know what I mean? And then she's like, yeah, yeah, you need ice cream too. Go buy both of ours. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't buy me stuff anymore. You know, like you got a better child now. And so she's buying all this stuff. And, and, and when they're at home, they're sitting there watching their favorite movies. They're spoiling the mess out of them. And here, I have told them both this in separate occasions. I have said, listen, these kids don't deserve what you're doing. I said, they are Bad children. (laughs) I said, Listen, hours before you got here, they were throwing stuff and kicking and calling me biblical bad names and, like, you know, they don't deserve your toys. Take your toys and go back home. They don't deserve it. And both times they gave me similar answers. And here was the answer But we are the grandparents. Right? But I'm grandma. I'm grandma. It's, like, it's just like this entitlement, right? Like, and here's, what they, here's, here's the message I got from both of them. We aren't getting the kids stuff because they're good. We're getting the kids stuff because we're the grandparents, right? You ever wondered when your parents made that transition? Like the same thing they praise your kids for, they beat you for. You know what I mean? Like I'm just confused about this. but it's just in who they are it's in who they are that's who they are they are grandma they are grandpa when they show up they got something good for them not because the kids are good they don't care what the kid is not even good to them but their grandparents oh man the lord told me this so strongly God doesn't do good things to us because we are good. He does good things because he is good. He is good. We don't get good things because we're acting right. Some of us have been blessed by God minutes after acting like a fool because God doesn't give us good things because we're good. He gives us good things because he's God, and he's a good God. And so he said long ago, listen, I'm trying to think now what I'm going to be like, like a grand, when I'm a grandparent, which is only, like for me, I don't know, I won't be there. Like my kids won't have kids, but I'm already, somebody promised me a walker today up here on stage, and I'm mad because it's not here. And so I'm wondering about that. But, but, you know, it's just one of those, like I'm already trying to figure out, and I'm trying to be like the big hard guy, like I'm not going to get my grandkids anything. And I'm going to spend every dollar I have on them, you know what I mean? It's just, and I think it's ingrained in us. I think God uses grandparents to show us a little bit of his character because he's good. He's just good. Here's why I think that we struggle with being able to receive the favor of God. The reason we struggle receiving the favor of God is because we have still not mastered the ability To receive the mercy of God so let me break this down mercy is you not getting what you deserve we're sinners so what we deserve is eternity in hell but Jesus Christ died on a cross for us so that we wouldn't have to go spend eternity in hell and instead we get to experience eternity in heaven we are not getting what we deserve the Bible says that mercy and goodness shall follow you in all of your days. So all right, we have the mercy of God not getting what we deserve. Meanwhile, there is the favor of God, which is us getting what we don't deserve. Did you catch that? The mercy of God is us not getting what we do deserve. And the favor of God is us getting what we don't deserve. And so a lot of us are still trying to figure out how to process our mind around the idea that God is not going to give us what we do deserve, and now on top of that, I've got to be able to believe and understand that God's going to give me what I don't deserve. I already can't grasp mercy, and now I gotta be able to grasp favor? Yes, because God is good. Because God doesn't just wanna save you from your sin. God wants to allow you to experience a blessed life. He wants you to have both mercy and favor. And when you walk into a room, you have to be able to understand that behind you is both the mercy of God and the favor of God. Your family, behind your family is both the mercy of God and the favor of God. That when you walk into your job tomorrow, behind you is both the mercy of God and the favor of God. You are walking around as one who did not get what they deserve, but is going to have what you don't deserve. And when we struggle with one, we can't grasp both. And so we end up telling ourselves different stories. And we end up convincing ourselves that God could never give us favor based on how we behave. And if we tell ourselves this enough, we don't have to worry about accepting the fact that we have it. We can just sit in ourselves going, well, I'm just a horrible person. I don't have anything. Meanwhile, the father is saying, nope, I've already given you both. And I planned it long before you were even born. I planned it before you made a good decision and I planned it before you made a bad decision. I planned it before you did that and before you did this. I planned that every day of your, every day of every good day, Every day of your life behind you would be my mercy and my goodness and everywhere you go I will follow you around when Darla's in the house. I just follow her around. I just hey girl. What you doing? You know, I like holler at your boy I just follow her around and mercy and goodness just follow us around every but I didn't behave right. It doesn't matter you don't know what I said to that person on the interstate on the way to work while Carrie Job was on my radio. God doesn't care. He gives you good things because he's good. I love the way that King David said it. If there was ever a person that that constantly blew it. It's King David, right? We're talking about the guy who both killed Goliath and slept with Bathsheba. Like he just constantly blew it, you know. And in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, he pins some words that I think is important for you and us, you and I, to see. He says, "For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for life." His interpretation of God's love and goodness for him was that his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for life. We tend to get that backwards. We tend to live like his favor is but for a moment and his anger is for life. Yesterday, uh, we were getting ready to go. I was going one way. My family was going the other. Casey Ray was going to a uh, to some of our friends' uh, first bir- baby baby birthday. Sorry, it's really hard to say b words up here. Uh, her very first birthday party. So Casey Ray wanted to get all dressed up, super cute, cute outfit, dressed the whole nines. And she needed shoes, and she doesn't have a lot of nice shoes, but she has these pair of sandals. And I'm on the couch putting my shoes on, and her mother says, "Go and get your sandals." And Casey Ray says, "Out of her mouth, they're broken." And I said, they're broken? And she looked me in my eyeballs and she said, you broke them. (laughs) And I said, that's not true. I didn't break your sandals. So why do you think I broke your sandals? And as here I am standing in front of you, she said to me, do you remember that one Christmas where you broke my toy? Now that's true. I did break her toy three Christmases ago. But I'm like, So you mean to tell me that because I broke your toy three years ago, you're just assuming that I broke your toy or broke your sandals today? I'm like, you're so petty. You know what I mean? Because we're petty, we think God's petty. We think God is still holding on to the thing we did three years ago. And God's like, I'm over it. Christ died for it. I covered it in blood. It's gone. I'm over it, right? But we're still, watch this, we're still labeling ourselves as someone who breaks stuff because you broke something three years ago. The actual challenge that we face is not gaining God's approval. It's accepting God's approval. God is unconditionally committed to love you. He wants the best for you. He's committed to support you, provide for you, bless you. God is for you. He's for you. But you have to be careful who you're letting talk to you about God. You have to be careful who you're allowing to decide what God thinks about you. Because what you think God thinks about you is the most important thing you think. Try to say that three times fast. The other day uh, I'm taking Veda bell to her practice for drama and uh, she has drama but for actual drama practice and so we're in the car and we're headed there and she wants to listen to Spotify and I hadn't seen her all day and so I said no we're not gonna listen to music I want to talk I haven't seen you I just want to catch up on your day and she goes I don't want to talk and I said well I don't care what you want to do That's what I'm the father you know what I mean we're gonna talk and so I didn't say it that mean but I did and so she turns physically her body to face the window of the car to not talk to me. I thought about kicking her out the right, just you know, boop, see it. But I did what a godly man does. I had a conversation with myself. And I was both me and her. I just started having a conversation. She had to listen to the whole thing. And when I was her, I was doing this, I was like, hey dad. <laughs> And so I was down the street, and I was like, hey, baby, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Dad. How are you? And I was like, oh, I'm great. I said, I saw your play. You did a great job. Thanks, Dad. You're the best, Dad. And I was like, oh, you're so beautiful, baby. And she was like, oh, no, you're so handsome. And I was just going on. Look, at one point, she looked at me, and she said, I just sang a song for nine minutes, and you haven't shut up. And I was, I mean, Veda Bell has never been more nice to me. I was like, you're the best dad in the world. Your muscles are so big. Mom thinks you're so great. You make so much money. Thank you for our house. Thank you for our refrigerator. I was like, oh, baby, stop. No, really, you're the best. Stop it. I was just going, it was a 28-minute drive, and I talked all the way there. I was both me and her. Sometimes we need to learn to let the Father speak for both of us. Sometimes we need to let the Father speak for him, and he needs to speak for us, because we'll read the Word of God, but then we'll, we'll relay it a different way, right? I do this all the time. I'll be praying, and I'll be like, God, you know, your Word says this, and I'll be like, but did he really mean it for you? You know what I mean? Like, I'm back and forth. I'm constantly back. Am I going to blow it? I'm back and forth, and sometimes I've just got to let God speak for both, for both, And then instead of performing for God's approval, I'm living in it, I'm walking in it, I'm singing in it, I'm working in it. Everywhere I go, I'm approved, I'm already approved. That's the word for you. Listen to me. Every one of you have asked before, what if I blow it? Some of you right now are sitting in the fact that I blew it. But the word that the Lord told me to bring to you today is you are already approved and he promises to give good gifts to his children. And his plan for you is good. The Bible says that the good work he began in you, he will bring it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. If it's not good right now, God's not done. It's going to be good because God is good. He's good. Now here's the deal. This is a deep, deep issue with me that I need God to work on. I don't know if it is for you, But I needed it. I came to Darla uh, uh, Monday or Tuesday. She said, how's your sermon coming? I said, oh, it's so good. I said, I needed it so much. (laughs) And she was like, well, then you know it's going to be good if you needed it. And I was like, yeah, I need, I'm crying still. Like, I still need it. Because sometimes, sometimes words aren't enough for me. Like sometimes if people say, I love you, it's not the same as when they show it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we need pictures and illustrations to really send home a point. And this idea that God loves us and approves us and is going to do good things for us despite our performance—I needed, I needed David, I needed more than than some words. I, I needed some kind of, I needed something to hang on to. I needed something to stand in. I needed it to get on me. I wanted my hands to be dirty with some type of picture, some type of illustration that, in the moments where I start circling, in the moments where I start going, "What if I blow it? What if I already blew it?" I could come back to something that would assure me. That it's me talking and not the father and I'm praying about this show I'm praying about it all week and I need it and I'll be honest with you I was praying about it more for me than I was for you because if I got it I figured I could throw up on you and you would get it you know what I mean and the Lord reminded me of the parable of the prodigal son and so I went to Luke chapter 15 when Jesus was trying to teach a point he would often use these things called parables and what a parable was, was a story. It was an illustration. He would paint the picture so that it was more than words, so that people could really get it. Jesus did this all the time. And so, for example, if he wanted to talk about storms, he would get the disciples and go get in a boat in the middle of a storm, and he would talk about storms. And so when he wanted to talk about the goodness of God, he literally created a story about someone who blew it. And so I, I got to Luke 15, and I started reading it. Let me give you, before I read the verse, let me, let me give you a little bit of a story to catch you up. The story is about a king, and he has two kids, two sons, the youngest, the oldest. The youngest comes to him and says, I want my inheritance early, which is like saying, I wish you would die so that I could get my stuff and go live my life. And this is what he, in our our terms today, it would be him saying, I want to live my life. I don't care about you. I'm gone. So the father gives him his inheritance, and he leaves. The Bible then says he goes on about wild living. Okay, he's doing all, whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it and he ends up hitting rock bottom. And the Bible says that at one point he is considering eating the food that the pigs are eating. That's how low he, he went from being the son of a king to now wanting to eat the same food that pigs are eating. And then I wanna show you something. All right, we're gonna start reading at verse 17, watch this. It says, when he came to his senses, and please don't feel like that means he got a great knowledge and it, it, when, he, when he hit rock bottom, When he had nowhere else to go, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, I'm starving to death. So I'll set out, I'll go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. We have the next verse or is that just that? Leave that right there. Let me explain this. So I'm reading that. Y'all have read this many, many times. And I'm like, God, why do you bring me back to the prodigal son in this moment? And as I'm praying about it and I'm thinking about it, all of a sudden it all clicks. Watch this. What's happening in Luke 15 is he is writing his I blew it speech. He's preparing what he's gonna say to the father in regards to the fact that he blew it. He's going through in his mind, father. Should I call him father or do I call him daddy? Daddy's a little bit more, but you know, father, I don't know if, I have, I, have, I have sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against... He's prepping all of this in his mind. I've got to be able to communicate to the Father how I failed, how I blew it. And I'm reading this, and I'm, watching, I'm going, this is me. But instead of writing it on paper, I'm going through it in my head over and over and over again. Well, And I'm trying to prep this speech for God. I'm sorry, I blew it. And I'm processing this, and oh, this was so good! I've never seen this before, and he yeah, read these verses many times, but for some reason, this never stood out. And I, I don't know if I have the verse. Do I? I guess I don't. I don't have twenty. Oh, there we go! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you! I'm so glad you. That was like building anticipation. That was so good. Because I read it again, and watch what he says. Watch this. This so good. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I've always kind of viewed this story as the son prepping his story for the father about how he failed. What I had never caught Jeff is how he literally says, I understand now that the good things you had planned for me are no longer mine. Did you see that? I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Father, every good thing you had set aside for me as an heir I'm no longer worthy to have because I blew it. I messed up. And so I understand that even though you're a good father, every good thing from you comes when I behave. And I didn't behave. And because I didn't behave, Father, I understand that I don't get the good things. And then he goes on to say, maybe you'll just make me like one of your hired servants. In other words, I know I'm no longer getting the good things, and so I'll settle for the absolute bottom of the barrel. I understand that because of how I behaved. I no longer get the blessings from you, Dad. So I'll just take whatever I can get. One time, Casey Ray was in trouble. Darla and I had gotten onto her. And she came into our room and she handed us a piece of paper. And we opened it up and it was an apology letter. Half the words weren't spelled right. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're the best child ever. You know, it was just so precious. And so he goes running to the father. He's running to the father. This is what the scripture says. Scripture says that the father sees him while he's a ways off. And the father gets out of the house and starts running to him. Now I'm going to preach that in depth in this Welcome Home series because we're going to spend five weeks talking about this story. I'm going to break it down. But the father takes off running to him and he embraces him. Now watch this. Go to verse, I think it's 21 is where I started. Watch this. (laughs) Okay. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. He's starting his failed speech. He's starting his I blew it speech. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then look what happens. But the father said, if that was in our language, it would have said this. But the father interrupted him. He cut him off, and he said, quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger, and get sandals and put them on his feet. Here's what the Holy Spirit was showing me. Here's this son coming back to the Father with his I blew it speech. Ready to tell him, I understand that I no longer get the good things that you promised me. And the father said, shut your mouth. Look, before you say anything else, bring it quick. Get it in here. Put it on him. Give him all the good things. Not because he's been good, but because I'm good. Because God is good. And then I'm reading it some more. And I'm like, God, he went and got him the ring and the robe. Remember how he said, those of you that need to hear this message, this this this, this will probably shake your tree and rattle, rattle your squirrel. Here we go. All right. Remember how he said, I'm no longer called, I'm no longer worthy to be his son? Remember that? The ring. The symbolization of the ring was to show that he was the son of the king. The other thing he said was, I'll just go work for your hired servants. The robe was to establish his place in the order. The two things that the father went and got were to assure him of the two things he thought he was no longer qualified for. The devil has lied to us and has told us that our Father is good when we're good. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. I'm sorry, students. And the truth is this, that our Father is good, he was good yesterday, he'll be good today, and he'll be good forever. It doesn't matter what you do, the moment you turn back and run to him, not only does he, he doesn't even wait until you get there. He takes off running to get to you and then you come in and you go, Dad, I'm so sorry, I didn't. to go, shh, 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 shh. When I was uh, about 20 years old or so, man, I had this dream of ministry and I I made some really bad decisions and I blew it. And uh, man, I lost my job and I went home to my father, who's, who's at the time was not saved, wasn't a Christian, and I had practiced, y'all, how I was gonna tell him this. I, don't, I wasn't really concerned about him caring that I wasn't gonna be in ministry, but I, I had lost my job and didn't have money to pay him, whatever I cell phone bills or whatever. And I remember prepping for that. I'll never forget this. He comes home, been working all day, and I start to tell him, and I start crying. Part because I was just so disappointed in myself, but the other part is because I knew I had blown my dream. And I remember he grabbed me, I was 19 years old, and he grabbed me and put me up in his lap. And I'm trying to talk through my tears, and he just shushed me. And for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, I just sat there and cried in his arms. 37 years old, and I'll never forget that. That's the picture of the father. And when you're so worried and concerned about the fact that you blew it, and you can't help but wonder if you missed out on all the good things that God has for you. When we come running back into his arms, he just shh 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 shh. Come here, come here. But shh, I know, no, no, shh, no. shh, I, no, 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 no. I know I'm not worthy. my daughter. I got into that relationship and I made that. But I failed at that and I, Come come here, come here, come here. Get into my lap. And what's so good about God is after he's done comforting us, he then says, get that ring and get that robe. Because my child is home, and every good thing that I have for them is theirs, despite how they behaved. Do you ever wonder why when your kids act up and you put in a real strict punishment, you know what I'm talking about? You're all big and bad. You won't play. You'll have no social media. You, you won't even eat for the next couple of days. And then like two hours later, they come in and they're like, hey, can I watch TV? And you're like, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you know why you're that way? I used to think I was a bad parent. People would tell me, you need to be more strict. You need to hold on to what you say. I told you a few weeks ago, I'm created in the image of God. So I've got God in me, which means I have grace in me. Which means it's hard for me to stay angry because my anger is short lived but my favor is for life that is your father father I pray right now just let your Holy Spirit move for a moment I need you to talk to your daughter. Overwhelmed by past mistakes. Thinking it defines her value. Thinking that she will miss out on good things because of bad decisions. Father, your word says you'll restore the years the locust ate. So not only are they going to get the good things you promised, Father, but they're going to continue to get good things. For your son right now, who can't seem to get past what they've done and really be able to embrace what they have, that they would understand that there's grace in you. There's some people in here right now who their picture of God is based off the picture of their father. And their father was always mad and he always held a grudge and that's not you. God is love. You are grace. You give us both mercy and goodness. And Father, we need to embrace it right now. Do me a favor. Would you stand for a moment? I want you to get this picture. We're fixing the clothes. We're gonna sing for a moment. But that song... Man, worship team, I'm going to come up here. That song that they sing at the end of worship, and we're going to go into it for a moment, The Blessing, there's this moment where it says, he's before you, and he's behind you, and he's beside you. In the morning and in the evening, in weeping and rejoicing, he's for you. What does that mean? No matter where you've been, he's for you. No matter where you're going, He's for you. No matter what's on both sides of you right now, no matter what you're dealing with, I know you're in a moment right now where you don't think you'll ever get out of it. He's for you. Watch this. In the morning, when you wake up in the morning, He's for you. When you go to bed at night, He's for you. When you're weeping, He's for you. When you're happy and excited, He's for you. When you go right He's for you. When you go left, He's for you. When you go backwards, He's for you. When you go forward, He's for you. He is for you. He's for you. So close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. You have got to receive this. We're about to sing it over you. So I don't know how you do it. You might put your hands in the air. You might need to come down here and get on your knees. You might need to run around this whole room in a circle. I don't really care. But you've got to be able to accept what they're about to say. That the creator of the universe, the God of heaven and the earth, is for you. He's not mad at you. He's not against you. He's not holding a grudge. He is for you. Come on, right now. God, we just pray in this place. We pray for your word to be so real and so received that this is who you are, that you are a good God, that you are for us, not against us, that you are behind us. You are in front of us. You are beside us. Hallelujah.